0: You're listening to the NewStack Makers, a podcast made for people who develop, deploy, and manage at scale software. For more conversations and articles, go to the newstack.io. All right, now on with the show.
1: Solo.io, the modern API infrastructure company, delivers application networking from the edge to service mesh, enabling enterprises to adopt, secure, and operate innovative cloud-native technologies. Hey,
0: everyone. Here at the Cloud Native Security Show in Seattle, I'm here with the folks from Solo.io, Marina Wujey, Developer Relations and Advocacy at Solo. Hey, Marina, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. And Jim Barton, Field Engineer at Solo.io.
1: Hey, Alex, great to spend some time with you today. Well, good to spend some
0: time with you. So we were just talking. We're talking about trained professionals. We're trained professionals here, right? Right. Right? Absolutely. You say with absolute confidence. <laughs> How much of a professional do you have to be these days to use a service mesh? Is it as complicated, as crazy as it
1: used to be? Well, I'm not ready for that one. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's no question. There are challenges to configuring, uh, you know, service meshes along with a lot of other cloud-native technologies. It's definitely one of the things that that we see in the in the service mesh community and the in the Istio community specifically, where we're working really hard to do things to make it simpler, both from a from a setup configuration standpoint as well as from an operational standpoint.
0: So let's get into that a little bit because let's talk about the basics of a service mesh then. So what are the basics these days? And my question really is, it communicates between services, but how does it do that and why is that important?
2: Yeah, so uh, there are a few things that we really look for when we're building out our applications and when we try to run them in production. We want to see how they're doing, we want to see how we can connect to them, and we want to make sure that we can secure them. It's it's, as simple as that, but how do you achieve that? You know, you can't just simply turn something on and expect that to just suddenly work. And so this is where something like a service mesh might come into play here, where it gives you the capabilities to say, hey, this service can talk to that service. I can see what this service is doing. I can control
0: and say, no, you can't do that to that service. And that just maps to those key tenants I just suggested. So then how does that embody then the principles of zero trust and especially kind of concerning Istio,
1: which is a service mesh framework? Sure. I mean, the primary tenet of zero trust is trust no one. Right. Right. Assume the attacker is already right. in your network. Right. And so, service mesh technology, Istio specifically, makes it easy to specify policies in a declarative fashion that will apply across you know a whole suite of applications that are that are running within a mesh.
0: So, I, this is something that makes me a head scratch a little bit. Mm-hmm. If there's already an intruder inside the building, then isn't the problem? how they got into the building in the first place?
1: So so definitely defense in depth is a principle of security that I think a lot of organizations are looking to to implement more completely. I know I was part of an organization, which I won't mention on camera, that had an intruder in the building, so to speak. And it was it led to a huge engineering effort that took place over probably the next 18 months to try to shore up internal systems that actually did not have that working assumption, right, that we need defense in depth, that perimeter security was enough. And in fact, in many cases, it's not. You know, we, we do need to have security at the perimeter, certainly, but also security within the mesh of applications that we're <laughs> operating as well.
0: So is it for the developer or is it for the... DevSecOps Pro? Is it for all the above? I would say it's for the DevSecOps
2: professional, primarily because a developer is not there to care about how do my services connect. They're there to build. They're there to create something. It's up to the platform operators or engineers or DevSecOps engineers to, to create that fundamental plane or, or foundation for where you can deploy your services to and then provide the security on top of it. And then they have to configure it. They have to sit there and think about how do I, how do I profile this? How do I know who's doing what and who's talking to who, so that I can start forming my zero trust posture.
1: I think Marino makes a great point. I want to just add on to that a bit. So one of the things that I've seen in my history in the industry is that a lot of times where ideally you do want to have a platform team that has ultimate responsibility for those things, oftentimes it does, at least in my experience, fall on developers who end up You know, know, owner of application A ends up solving the problem this way, application B solves it a different way and so forth. And so you end up with this hodgepodge of solutions, quote unquote, that don't really solve the problem at an enterprise level. And I think that's really one of the key values of service mesh. We frequently will see people who come to us and it's like, I have a security mandate maybe from some regulatory agency or perhaps a government agency that requires me to certify, right, that I have a zero trust security posture. And that's really where Istio that's, adds that's a ton of Istio value. That's
0: where Istio and yeah. solo.io has its sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. With those yeah. regulated companies. And, you know, I have in my notes about MTLS. Yeah, And yeah. the importance of that. And that relates kind so, of this conversation, doesn't it? It's really it? interesting. Uh, let, me, let me take you
2: back in history a little bit, right? So there. About 10, 15 years ago, we wanted to encrypt our communications. We wanted to secure our networks. And so we would use VPN technology to be able to do that. IPsec happens to be one of the more notable technologies out there. But it fundamentally did something. It encrypted the data path. Now today, we kind of needed that similar capability, but much more automated, much more tunable towards smaller components, smaller pieces of our software. And so the other thing we also had to consider was while we encrypt our communications, we also have to build in trust. How do we make sure that I can trust you and you can trust me? And so this this concept of mutual TLS or mutual transport layer security came about so that we can effectively create that secure data path
0: and then authorize who we want to talk to who. Authorize who you want to talk to. Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of one of the core aspects of Service Mesh, isn't it then? Authorize who you can talk to.
1: Correct. And to be able to do that in a repeatable policy-driven fashion, right, not depending on individual application owners to divine what the enterprise requirement is and then to go implement that on their own, but to be able to manage that from a DevSecOps platform and to do that in a declarative repeatable fashion.
0: And that's where it kind of comes into service communication. So those permissions for each service to talk to each other.
2: Yes. Precisely.
0: And, and you would you would basically start off with a allow nothing
2: and then you would incrementally allow things to start talking to each other. You take the, the approach of least privilege, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah exactly. Yeah. The,
0: which we were talking about a really a little bit earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So then when you look at that, you know, there is this new capability that you're offering called Ambient Mesh. And I'm curious about what is Ambient Mesh, why did it get developed, and really what are its implications for Service Mesh? Sure, so
2: Ambient Mesh is an interesting mode of the Service Mesh Istio, and how it came to be is is quite interesting. But let me first back up a bit and talk about this very interesting component called the Sidecar. When you deploy a Service Mesh, Every service or application gets something called the sidecar resource, which is basically a mini proxy, mini firewall, mini router, all in one. And it's receiving instructions from an upstream control plane. Now, one of the things that we started to realize with different workloads and different patterns of communication is that not all these workloads need a sidecar or can take advantage of the sidecar. Some better operate without the sidecar. And so we decided to take this approach in the Istio community to say, hey, We still want service mesh-like functionality, but how do we provide that if we don't have a sidecar? Enter ambient mesh, where we move away the sidecar functionality to uh, components that live more higher up in the stack inside of the environment that we operate in. And so that way we can still take advantage of the mesh functionality without necessarily having to deploy the sidecar. But one of the other things too is that with a sidecar resource, you're consuming resources. You're having to impact workloads and how they operate. You're having, you're having to inject and modify an actual workload to make this possible. With Ambient Mesh, that's not the case anymore.
0: Okay, and so I have heard of criticism of the sidecar because it's a little bit complicated, right? And someone tried to explain the concept to me before and on sidecars and how it's essentially kind of like putting all your furniture outside of your room and then putting it back <laughs> into your
1: room that's or something. <laughs> I was just like,
0: I I, I clearly am not a sidecar knowledgeable guy.
1: I I think basically one one interesting way to look at it is you have all of these cross cutting capabilities that need to operate across, you know, independent of applications, right? Every application needs to be able to enforce security. Every application needs to be observable at some level. You know, within all applications, you need to be able to route traffic in, in one way or another. And so, you know what what are your choices right you can either go and have each application implement kind of the undifferentiated heavy lifting associated with those policies, or you can outsource that, put your furniture outside your apartment, if you will, or you can outsource that to a service mesh. And that's one of the real fundamental values of Istio in general, is the ability to take those cross-cutting concerns that everyone has, and to be able to outsource that to a you know declarative, repeatable, policy-driven service mesh. So where are we now then with service mesh? Do you think it's in
0: maturity I've heard it being you know, discussed with observability, for example.
2: Yeah, so in terms of maturity right now, the ecosystem has grown substantially, and there's, there's a lot of consumption. I mean, effectively, a lot of environments that are using service mesh, specifically Istio, in production, and they've started to realize limitations of having to manage Istio on its own, and so... We're here to help with that with our Glue platform to provide simpler ways to operate it. So you mentioned something about observability as well. That has matured primarily because while Istio and service meshes offer up that observability point, we needed better ways to manipulate that data and see what's doing what. We needed better telemetry around our applications. And so... We partnered with other open standards like Open Telemetry,
1: and maybe, Jim, you might want to expand on a little bit more of that observability. Sure. I, I think, you know, observability is a key not only from the standpoint of just being able to know what's happening within my service mesh, being able to debug when I have problems and that sort of thing, but even from a security standpoint, right? just being able to know okay here's a pattern of behavior that I haven't seen before from a security standpoint perhaps a lot of requests are now being rejected due to some due, due to some condition that I don't completely understand and so having access to to the metrics and the tools that let you drill into those and really get deeper insights into why are these security policies suddenly firing why are this swath of requests suddenly failing is a real key value for, for service mesh in general.
0: So, what are some of the limitations of service mesh that you hope to overcome in the next 12 to 18 months? I'd like to make that my final question. So, the current limitations really come down
2: to not the actual system itself, it's what you do with it. And it really comes down to scale and automation. So, you could definitely use a service mesh from the open source world, but you're going to run into your own challenges of having to manage this at scale, having to make changes whenever... You know, you grow your your own personal environments, or you grow your workloads, or add more workloads, or you're trying to add in levels of higher levels of availability, or trying
0: to achieve things like disaster recovery or avoidance. Yep. Jim, I don't know. So uh, I, I guess the question too then is: Does that mean Service Mesh is fully built out? And I, is I, it fully mature in the core?
1: That's a really good question. Let me bounce off of what uh, of something Marino was saying. We'll come back to that. I, I think. If I had to characterize what's going on in the community right now with respect to maturity, it's it's the difference between day one operations and day two operations, yeah. right? Day one operations are a lot about Uh, understanding concepts, enabling developers, initial configuration, that sort of thing. The community is really much more focused, and Ambient Mesh is a good example of this, on day two concerns. How do I scale this? How do I make it perform in large environments? How can I expand this across clusters in multiple zones, in multiple regions, that sort of thing? Those are the kinds of initiatives that we're really seeing come to the forefront at at this point. Well, thank you both for taking some time to
0: talk here. I really appreciate it. it. Thank 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 you Thank you,
1: Alex. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much for the time.
1: Solo.io, the modern API infrastructure company, delivers application networking from the edge to service mesh, enabling enterprises to adopt, secure, and operate innovative cloud-native technologies.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the best ways you can help us grow this community, and we really appreciate your feedback. You can find the full video version of this episode on YouTube, search for the new stack, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any new videos. Thanks for joining us and see you soon.